calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Madigan, and you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Hello, everybody. How are we feeling at the end of this week? My life is still chaos. I am leaving on that road trip that I've mentioned in a week. I have so much to do. I've been working on so many wonderful episodes for all of you. I'm doing my best to get a backlog going so you can have new episodes even when I'm away. I am a one show pony. I was going to say one trick pony, but I'm like, no, I wear all of the hats. I am a one woman show getting it all done for you all. And that kind of leads me into a little announcement that I wanted to make. So unfortunately, I am going to put pause on the Angry Feminist Book Club at the start of 2024. With all of the podcasting stuff going on, I feel like it's been really difficult for me to specifically handle covering books and getting really in-depth into them. It's a lot, a lot of work. And I'm thinking about some other things that I could give you all so there can be multiple tiers on Patreon. But what I'm considering at the moment is having one $5 level that everyone can be a part of. And that will include ad-free episodes of this show. I do want to start the advice segment once I get back from my road trip. So beginning of November. And any other little bonuses that I want to put up there. So that you are still getting extra content. You're still getting the ad-free episodes and all of that good stuff. But as of right now, I do need to just take a little bit of a break. Schedule some things out. See what's going to be a good fit. And then go forward from then. India and I are also talking about doing some extra episodes where we talk about more pop culture stuff and things like that. And and she really wants to help out with this show as well, which I'm so appreciative of. So maybe we'll pop on and give you some extra content as well. We shall see. As of right now, my favorite name for the advice segment is Mad Gabin with Madigan. I think it's fan-freaking-tastic, so I think I might have to go with that. All of you, like I said, can look forward to that in the beginning of November. If you want to start sending in anything that you need advice on, any secrets you want to share with me, 
this entire segment is going to be 100% anonymous. So even if you slip a name in here and there, I'm going to do my part and make sure that there's no identifying factors going on so people could figure out who you are or anything like that. And also it's on Patreon. So for me, even it feels like a safer space. I tend to tell my secrets on Patreon a lot more because I know it isn't going out into the broader world. It's just the people who really, really know me and love me and want to support me. So you all get the tea and the dirt as well. But as of right now, I've covered so many books already for the Angry Feminist Book Club. So if you are looking for some extra episodes to listen to and you want a bit of a backlog, definitely join Patreon right now. The $5 level is just the Angry Feminist Book Club. And you can also join the Feminist Faves level for $8 a month where you get all of the Angry Feminist Book Club content, but you also get the ad-free versions of these episodes and some extra bonus content. Stay tuned for what is to come with Patreon. Other than that, I don't think I have anything to fill you all in on. I hope that you understand about my change in schedule and everything, but I really want to make sure that I'm focusing more and more on the content that is going out onto the main feed and things like that. It's been really, I feel like I've been spread a little bit thin and that's really hard on me because I'm trying to let go of some of those perfectionistic standards that I have for myself, but it's tough. I want to be the best that I possibly can be each week. So thank you all as always for your love and support. Let's get into some of this week's topics. There are two things that I really want to talk about. And first thing that I want to discuss is the interview between Jonathan Van Ness on Dax Shepard's podcast, Armchair Expert. And just to get my general opinion about Dax Shepard in particular before I get into this discussion... I loved that show Parenthood that came out a while ago. I don't know if any of you watched it. I feel like it was popular in certain circles, but I don't think it ever really made it super big. I'm not sure. Someone proved me wrong. But I really enjoyed his character on the show, and I felt like I liked him. I love Kristen Bell. I feel like she's a sweetheart. But in all honesty, I have to say I'm a little bit tired of seeing their faces everywhere and hearing about all of the little intimate details of their lives. It's kind of the same thing that I'm feeling toward Taylor Swift right now. I've been a Taylor Swift fan like of her music or of her as a person or whatever since I was little. Like I've never really felt annoyed by her or by seeing her everywhere. But I got to say, ever since she dated Matt Healy, my opinions of her have obviously changed quite a bit. And now she is dating, seeing, hanging out with, fuck if I care, Travis Kelsey, who is on the Chiefs football team, whatever. I watch the Chiefs a lot because both Max and I have Kansas family. I love Patrick Mahomes. But now Travis Kelsey is being pushed in my face as well. And you know what? I'm I'm over it. I don't care who Taylor Swift is dating. I don't care who she's hanging out with. I, I just don't care. I feel like let's just let her live her life. Why are we looking so far into everything? Why is everything an Easter egg? Is she really making all of her friends wear either black or denim when they go out? Is that something that you would like go along with if a friend was like, hey, I'm wearing black tonight, so you have to wear denim. It's an Easter egg for my album. I'd be like, fuck off. I'm wearing the outfit that I planned. (gasps) Okay, I'm done. Anyway, that's kind of how I feel about the Kristen Bell, Dax Shepard 
media attention as well. I'm just kind of over it. Recently, there was this viral, you know, video or videos of them where they couldn't catch a plane. And so instead of finding a hotel or driving a little further out of town to find somewhere to stay for the night, they bought like $600 worth of blankets and pillows and set up camp on the ground at the airport, but then were eventually kicked out and then did find somewhere to stay. Very, very strange. I was talking to a friend about this and he was like, I feel like Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard could probably afford to drive a little bit further from the airport and find some sort of hotel. Like they could figure something out. So there's my feelings, my general vibe just off the bat. And now let's get into the interview that Jonathan Van Ness had with Dax Shepard. I'm a big fan of Jonathan, always have been, always will be. I'm so inspired by their advocacy, their activism, how open they are, how free they seem. I just feel like they are a person that would be such a good friend to have in your life. They just seem very positive, warm, a great example, but also very real and vulnerable. In this episode of Armchair Expert released a little over a week ago, and after some initial discussion, Dax begins to debate trans rights with Jonathan, who is non-binary, to the point where Jonathan was left feeling exhausted and in tears. This debate took up over 25 minutes of the podcast episode. And without even really going any further, I'm just like, why? <laughs> why is Dax Shepard doing this? What is he trying to accomplish? Now, I don't want to say I understand playing devil's advocate in all situations. In certain situations, I do think that it's good to be able to ask those questions in order to be able to answer them better. You know, like if it's kind of like how I feel it's important to understand a little bit about how the other side of the aisle is thinking. So therefore, I can garner myself with the proper education to be able to possibly make people see it in a different light. I don't know. But the way that Dax went about it seems like it was more critical and bullying than being inquisitive. I really didn't want to listen to the episode as I've noticed when I'm watching a lot of these dating shows and stuff lately that I can get triggered when men get defensive or speak to another person in a way that I feel is demeaning or bullying. I just felt like that would be a really emotional episode and interview for me to listen to. And I've never listened to the podcast before, and I don't want that to be the first one. Anyway, I'm over explaining myself. I apologize. But anyway, I went online and read some examples from the conversation that I'm going to share with you now and also go into to some explanations behind why some of the things that Dax said were so wrong and inappropriate, and also what some of the answers to his questions are. So Dax said, I think to say that someone can't question without threatening to take someone's rights away to explore these things. Some people are very uncomfortable about teenagers transitioning. They're challenging that. How do we know that the person's not going to change their mind? To even question it makes you an enemy. I don't think that's the way forward. How do we know that person's not going to change their mind? Well, if they kill themselves, and that's really fucking permanent, that's a good counter argument. I disagree. That is not a good counter argument. Jonathan responded that he felt like they were talking to their dad. Sometimes people use the just asking questions excuse as a rhetorical device to push anti-trans agendas or any other agenda for that matter. 
The way Jonathan puts it, there isn't legitimate questioning going on. There's a public, targeted onslaught toward queer people. I also want to note, transitioning is a time period during which a person begins to live according to their gender identity, rather than the gender they were assigned at birth. And gender transition looks different for each person. Some steps may include changing your clothing, your appearance, name, or the pronouns you want people to use to refer to you. Some people are able to change their identification on documents such as driver's licenses and passports to reflect their gender. Some may undergo hormone therapy or other medical procedures to change their physical characteristics and make their body better reflect the gender that they knew themselves to be. The fact is transitioning can help trans, non-binary, and other gender non-conforming people lead healthy, fulfilling lives, and there are no specific steps to take to a complete transition. It's a matter of what is right for each person. And as far as people regretting their transition, a 2021 review of 27 studies that looked at almost 8,000 teens and adults found that only 1% on average expressed regret over transitioning. On top of that, a study from 2015 actually shows that people who did detransition did so only temporarily, and the most common reason was due to the pressure from a parent. Another study published last year found that 98% of 720 people under the age of 18 who were prescribed puberty blockers went on to continue hormone replacement therapy. So it's not really a phase. 98% of those people went on to continue on with their hormone therapy as they grew out of puberty. And for those out there where even all of that isn't enough, Gender-affirming care is backed by years of research, yet this what-if scenario continues to be used to make real laws that will limit life-saving care. Jonathan then went on to talk about how trans athletes don't have the competitive advantage that some claim they do. Dax then interjects and asks Jonathan if they thought the inclusion of trans athletes was safe or fair for cis women in sports. He said, Do I wish that the trans women athletes had access and could play and follow their dreams? I do. Will I elevate her rights over women? We're pretending that women aren't the ultimate marginalized class throughout history. And to that I say, It's called intersectionality, you fucking fool! Jesus Christ! Like, this is such turf behavior, I cannot stand it. Also, while I'm at it, trans women are women. So if you're about elevating women in sports, you should be about elevating all women in sports. And that includes trans female athletes as well, you fucking wad. Jonathan points out that the problem in the discussion about trans women in sports is that it's often so broad that even a trans kid who wants to join a local summer rec team is brought into the same discussion as someone who wants to play in the Olympics. There have also been studies that suggest that even elite athletes who have undergone male puberty do not have any advantage. Jonathan went on to say it's disappointing when people claim to be fighting for women while excluding trans children from playing sports. They said, I'm not calling you a transphobe. You cannot be transphobic and still have thoughts that espouse trans misogyny and espouse transphobic ideologies or beliefs and not be transphobic. Jonathan then went on to tell Dax that they were hoping to come on the show to talk about their own podcast, to which Dax responded that he never meant to start a debate and praised Jonathan for their activism. Then Jonathan began to cry, saying that they were exhausted from having to fight for the little kids who just wanted to be included. They said, 
I wish that people were passionate about little kids being able to be included or grow up as they were about fictitious women's fairness in sports. I have to tell you, I'm very tired. Dax apologized and acknowledged that they knew Jonathan was disappointed in him. Jonathan said they weren't disappointed, just emotionally exhausted. And this just reminds me of the many times that I have heard and learned that it's important for people to do their own education, to not always rely on the marginalized person to teach you things, because it can often be exhausting or re-traumatizing, or you know what, it's just not their fucking job to teach you how to treat them well. And I think that this is true when it comes to any marginalized person. And this is something that was discussed heavily during the 2020 Black Lives Matter movement that was occurring, where there was a lot of exhaustion that was being recorded from Black people in America who felt really responsible for having to educate their white friends and family members and loved ones on why they were so upset or what was going on or about the history of racism and all this stuff. And I think that it's also very true for the LGBTQ plus community. It's not their responsibility to constantly be fighting off these questions or to be debating with people. And yes, Jonathan is a person who has become very politically active and does go on a lot of, you know, different outlets to be able to debate some of those things. But I can also see how this podcast was not set up for that kind of discussion. And I really would love to know what was on the roster of questions ahead of time, because I know for myself, whenever I'd done an interview, whenever India and I do interviews, we run through the questions with each other and we make sure that the questions are okay with whoever we're interviewing to make sure they're comfortable with it, to make sure they have maybe an answer prepared, so on and so forth. So I just really thought it was also improper etiquette on top of all of that. Jonathan went on to say, the result is not trans kids not getting to play sports, although that is a result. It's also healthcare. It's also gender-based violence. It's also just out-and-out out violence, and it's really just a difficult time right now. After the podcast episode was released, Jonathan went on Instagram and put up a video. I'm going to let you hear what they said. There's so many conversations around trans inclusion in sports. We have state houses all over the United States that are passing bills to uh, make sure that no trans kids are allowed to play sport at any level in their state. And I just think that this is a huge travesty. The science that we have now says that transgender women do not hold an unfair biological advantage over um, cis women. So that's what the science says. But let's just say... You know, now what so much of the rhetoric is as well, if someone has gone through a male puberty um, and they've ever experienced that male puberty, then they will always be they will always be unfair to play women's sports. And we have to protect women's sports. So we can't have anybody who's experienced a male puberty in women's sports if it's a trans woman. So, OK, let's say let's say that that's true, even though the science does not support that. But let's say that that is true. So now, though, we have in dozens of states in the United States that have outlawed gender affirming care for trans kids. So if there was a young trans girl who say who, let's say, wanted to be a figure skater or a gymnast or a golfer or whatever the hell, she wouldn't be able to access the hormone blockers that would make it so that she would not go through a puberty. So do you see how we have governments and then we have governing bodies of athletics that are making it so trans people can't play sports anyway? 
Spoken from the mouth of babes. I love you, Jonathan, so much. Thank you for fighting the good fight always and for being such a positive fucking ray of sunshine. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, on to the next. On September 7th, 1996, at 11.15 p.m., the 25-year-old rapper Tupac Shakur was fatally shot in a drive-by in the Las Vegas Valley in Nevada. Last Friday, September 29th, 2023, Dwayne Davis was arrested after being indicted by a grand jury for the first-degree murder of Tupac. Tupac is widely considered to be one of the most influential and successful rappers of all time. His music touched on important messages of social issues that plagued the inner cities and was considered to be a symbol of activism against inequality. He was raised by two parents who were both members of the Black Panther Party. His mother, Afeni Shakur, was acquitted of over 150 charges related to her participation with the party just a month before Tupac was born. And his stepfather, Matulu Shakur, began working with the Lincoln Detox Program in 1970, which offered drug rehabilitation for heroin addiction using acupuncture instead of using methadone. Matulu eventually spent four years on the FBI's most wanted list and was apprehended in 1986 for a robbery that occurred in 1981, during which police officers and a guard were killed. He received a 60-year sentence and he was eventually paroled in December of 2022 due to his declining health and passed away eight months later. The reason I wanted to go so far into Tupac's past is because this season on Still Learning, India and I interviewed a documentary filmmaker named Mia Donovan, who directed a film called Dope is Death, which covers Matulu's story and the story of the Lincoln Detox Center. And then we spoke with a guy named Juan Cortez, who himself found recovery through the program and now works as an acupuncture specialist himself. 
Both of those interviews were so amazing to be a part of, so informative, so insightful. And I felt like I was learning about this whole new side of history that I was previously unaware of. And I highly recommend that all of you check out that film because we talked about the Black Panther Party so much on this show. But this was part of the party that I had no idea existed. And the, the whole story is so fascinating, but it ties back into all of the hardship this family has gone through and thinking about how many years it's been since Tupac's death and how there has been so few answers. There was a lot of investigating going on, of course, because he was so famous and influential. Conspiracy theories have been rampant and there have been a lot of people that have come forward throughout the years with some information. It kind of appears like Maybe the police weren't investing as much time and energy into this case as they should have and maybe kind of brushed it off a bit. And part of that, I'm wondering, is because it does involve gang activity. As Dwayne Davis, the one who was just recently arrested, is a member of the South Side Compton Crips. And back in 2018, Dwayne Davis confessed to having a role in Tupac's murder after revealing he was dying of cancer. He went on, but he refused to name the other suspects in the car, but identified the longtime suspect, his nephew, Orlando Anderson, as the one who shot Tupac. Anderson himself was killed in a gang-related fight in 1998. Davis also stated that the murder was out of retaliation for getting jumped earlier in the night at the MGM Grand Hotel, and that he was given a $1 million bounty from Puff Daddy, a.k.a. P. Diddy. I don't want to spread that rumor further. Then finally, in July of 2023, the Las Vegas police executed a search warrant in connection to Tupac's murder at a home in Henderson, Nevada. It was later revealed that the home belonged to Dwayne Davis's wife. During a grand jury testimony hearing, a Southside Compton Crips affiliate testified that it was a man named DeAndre Smith who was the shooter, not Orlando Anderson. Not only is Dwayne Davis involved in this high-profile murder, but he is also being investigated for the murder of Christopher Wallace, better known as Biggie Smalls, Biggie, or the Notorious B.I.G. Davis had been at the party at the Peterson Automotive Museum that Biggie had just left before he was killed. And I think it's going to be fascinating to see what comes out during this trial. And I'm so happy for Tupac's family to finally be receiving some sort of answers and justice, or at least some sort of response. Tupac's sister said after the arrest, This is no doubt a pivotal moment. The silence of the past 27 years surrounding this case has spoken loudly in our community. It's important to me that the world, the country, the justice system, and our people acknowledge the gravity of the passing of this man, my brother, my mother's son, my father's son. So beautiful. And I truly cannot recommend the documentary Dope is Death enough. Mia does such an amazing job with this film. It can actually be found on YouTube because it was released through Vice. So you can watch it for free on YouTube anytime you want. Could not recommend it more. Those episodes where we interview Mia and Juan are going to be coming out a little later in the season, but I'll be sure to post all the updates on my Angry Neighborhood Feminist Instagram as well so you are aware of whenever those episodes are coming out. But I would also highly encourage you to subscribe to that show as well. 
All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. If there's any topic that you want me to cover in the future, please email me at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at angryneighborhoodfeminist. You can join me on Patreon at patreon.com slash angryneighborhoodfeminist. Enjoy the $5 level for the Angry Feminist Book Club or become a feminist fave for $8 a month. If you like the show and you think others would too, please do me a favor and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It truly does help. So does your rating on Spotify. All right, everyone, that's all I have for you today. With all that being said, I encourage you to rage on. Bye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.